This podcast has explicitly adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. listeners, we hope you've been enjoying Kinky Queries. We really love making this podcast and would really love to hear from you. Like we would really love to hear from you. We need your questions, whether it's giving us a review, sending us a question on our website or on Spotify or on our Instagram or on Twitter or on FetLife or any of the other socials that we're on. We're on Tumblr. Send us a question so we can answer them. You can just find us at kinkyqueries.com and scroll to the bottom of the homepage if you choose that avenue, or just send us a question on any of our social platforms about kink, queerness. You can also just say hello. We never reveal any names of the question askers on the podcast without your consent. We hope to hear from you soon. Well said. This is Kinky Queries, a podcast where you send in questions and we work out the kinks, or more often than not work in the kinks. My name is James, my pronouns are he, him, and uh, I'm torn between talking about like going to Dyke Day this weekend or the 600 pages of fanfic I just printed out. This oh, is both? Okay. okay. Both. Well, here's here's the problem with talking about Dyke Day, uh, aside from the fact that it was amazing and I had a great time. The problem is these episodes come out like so many weeks after like we record them that it's it just feels silly. But yeah, my name is James. My pronouns are he, him. And uh, as a he, him, lesbian slash Dyke adjacent person, I really enjoyed Dyke Day this weekend in sunny Los Angeles. And I don't mind saying that I was there because it's a massive event. There are a lot of queers there. I had a great time at the leather tent. I had a great time with the burlesque shows and the drag king shows. Really loved all the community tables. Uh, I learned about like a, a new print shop that I'm really excited about. Yeah, it was a good time. Had a little picnic. And then you, what you printed out the second time. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. So this is a gift uh, for a mutual friend of ours. It's, I will be I'm shocked. Out. Uh, yeah, well, this was our <laughs> secret Santa thing, right? I sent a little note with it saying, send me whatever fanfic you want, and I will custom print it for you, because I've been into to book binding recently. Here is, uh, listeners, you're not gonna be able to see this, but Iris can. This is a book I printed for myself. It's only like 20,000 words, but like, this this is a book that I made. Like, I mean, I didn't write the words in it, but like, I printed it out, and now it exists. Yes. But, uh, and if you want anything like that, you are welcome to it too. I just ask that it's smaller than this. This is too much. This is 200,000 words. This is longer than Pride and Prejudice. This is longer than most novels, actually. This is so much. Uh, I'm having so much fun. I've started stitching it. You can kind of see where the thread is here. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, bookbinding's really cool. I'm a big fan of it. And this is this is very literally like 627 pages. Is that like a lot of different fan fictions added together or is it just one massive friend? It's one massive BBC Merlin football AU. It's I love hyper so specific. It's yeah, it's it's well, it's it just really says everything about this friend. Uh it's it's like kink involved. It's rated E for explicit. Like every I haven't read it, but like as I'm printing it, I'm like skimming it a little, right? And I'm like, oh, that's spicy. That's like, whoa, that's spicy. Yes. Big fan. Love distributing pornography to the masses. Hi, everybody. My name's Iris. I use they, he pronouns, and I just visited Chicago this past weekend. And part of my travels was freaking out my grandmother and going to the Leather Archives and Museum. Um, The first part of freaking out my grandmother is that I wore my bright gold eight-ass earrings in front of her, and she noticed and asked questions. And my entire family laughed at this entire exchange. So these these... 
earrings, sorry, glasses or earrings, I misheard. Um, they are earrings, they are bright gold, they are giant hearts, and one says eat and the other says ass. Nice. Okay, gotcha. I love that. It is a heckin' vibe. My grandmother did not like them, mm. and I wore them two days in a row because of that, and I stand by it. And then the leather archives were amazing. I, like, lost my freaking mind in there and had way too much fun, and we're gonna hopefully dedicate an entire episode to like what the leather archives are. But I got to talk to the librarian and found a bunch of books for my breeding kink study. And I now have historical precedent for my breeding kink study. And I'm really excited about it. Oh man, that sounds really exciting. Congratulations. a, A very productive weekend. Damn. I'm very glad for you. I, the leather archives sound really, really cool. I didn't realize they were in Chicago. They're in Chicago. I've seen the like traveling tour at a bunch of conventions previously being like, oh, this is so cool. I want to learn more. Da, 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 da. And I had a free afternoon from family nonsense. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to go on a sex positive tour. So I hit up the leather archives, two feminist sex toy stores, and accidentally wandered into a drag show. So wow. a very productive afternoon. Yeah, damn. Accidentally wandering into a drag show is like... It's pregnant. Kind of imp- I mean, yeah, that's fair. I'm just sitting over here just like, I literally, I think at Dyke Day this weekend, that was the first time I've ever actually seen a drag performance in real life. Oh, Um, really? Which I know is a shame. I just like, well, I don't like going to like bars usually. And Mm -hmm. I've never been to like drag bingo or anything like that. Just because like, I don't know, I like moved out here and like already was in gay like 301. And like your first drag event is like a gay 101 thing. Like everyone kind of had already assumed I had done that. So I, yeah, I'm looking forward to going to like drag bingo and like, obviously like I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm by Hamburger Mary. So I can go like see drag basically any night of the week I want. I'm intentionally not going during June because it's going to be fucking packed. So probably, probably going to go later this year. Seeing a drag event is something that I've been like very intentionally crafting and like really looking forward to. And you're just like, yeah, I just stumbled into this thing. Yeah, I was in Andersonville, I was wandering through, and there was just, like, this big drag show, and I was like, cool. I love that. On my way to early to bed, I should go dance in the crowd that is outside and hang out with a bunch of people, and then I'll go to the sex toy store. Well, hell yeah. Uh, Well, I'm glad we've both had very exciting queer weekends, it seems. Uh, Queer and kinky at the, the leather tents at Dyke Day, like, Someone gave like a whole class on like predicament positions. I thought it was going to be predicament bondage, but it was like a very different flavor. And I liked it very much. Not quite the same as historical leather archives, but like, it seems like we both had kinky and queer weekends. I love that. We both had fun consensual weekends. Well, as Iris mentioned a little bit earlier about like, we love having questions uh, and we also don't reveal anyone's names uh, unless they explicitly consent to it. Uh, We have a question from a friend of mine. I did ask them specifically how they wanted to be referred, gave them a couple of options. And they're like, you can just call me your friend. And I'm like, done and done. Honestly, I thought this was such an insightful question. And I think their intent with it is maybe a little different than where we're going with it. But they basically asked, like, how did you navigate kink as you were starting out your journey in sex? What was it like for you as high schoolers or early college students having sex and having specifically like kinky sex. Um, And their intent was definitely like how to talk to young people in a sex education form about kink, uh, which I think Iris has a lot of experience with. 
But honestly, I think my excitement with this question is sort of a retrospective of sorts, because there is a lot of things I would do differently with my kink experience. And there's also like a lot that I like to tell people now who are beginning their kink journey, but very specifically the lens of kink as a component of sex education. Because kink is a component of sexuality for a lot of people, while I don't think sex ed needs to get into all the details of kinky sex. I think sex ed needs to address that kinky sex exists in the same way that sex ed needs to address that queer people exist, that asexual people exist, that like there are safer sex options in the same vein that they talk about STIs as well as like social emotional components of sex. But I've only really been in the theoretical with this. Iris, you have, I mean, direct experience teaching sex ed. Yeah, I taught sex ed in middle and high schools and greater Boston for a while. And we had questions about kink and BDSM. And I always made sure that when we were talking about sex that um, it wasn't part of the curriculum in the sense that like it was explicitly talking about kink or BDSM. We did reconfigure the consent model that it was teaching to be um, a kink-oriented negotiation model where you're asking more than one question because a lot of sex ed is just like, you're getting that enthusiastic yes. And it's like, okay, but like, what about medical concerns? What kind of sex are we doing? Who's doing what? What kind of touch is important? What kind of communication is going to exist? How are people going to say that they need to stop or pause, etc.? And like, we have our whole consent model that we talked about in a previous episode, but we were basically giving that to high school students and being like, if you're going to consent to sexual actions with somebody, you need to ask more than one question. And we would lay out that consent model for them. We would also have students ask a bunch of questions that were kink oriented. They would ask about piss play and water sports. They would ask about DS dynamics. And we answered truthfully about that. And we would, if we could, we would be able to like find resources that they could go to if that is something that was available and the school district wasn't going to get mad at us about but also we just answered we just answered their questions about like what different things looked like and like how impact play works etc that didn't happen in every classroom though but we made sure at least the consent model was there yeah I definitely think that when people get all like up in arms about like sex education I think that's such an important thing to remember that like kids are going to learn about these things, whether it is through the internet or through their friends, or like I was just talking with someone where like, as like a young child, it was something they had just stumbled into. They didn't even really realize what they were doing, but they can look back at it as an adult and be like, oh, I was engaging in kink without knowing what I was doing in the same way that like very, very young children will like touch their genitalia because it's there and like, teaching them the appropriate time to do that, the way to not let other people do that, I think is just as important when it comes to teaching kids about their own biology as it is to teaching them any questions that come up about kink. I think that's a really good framework that like, it wasn't something you were, you know, going out of your way to bring into the classroom, but it was something that they were bringing to you that they had questions about. Right. Like I offer the consent model. And then from there, there were questions that came out of that because boy golly, does our media have a ton of kink representation in it without calling it kink, but it is there and they are consistently being exposed to it. So like when talking to youth, they're already having that exposure. We're not the ones who are coming in being like, hey, have you ever seen a flogger before? No, they have access to Netflix. There are so many shows that have floggers on Netflix. 
And so you have to be able to be ready to have those conversations. Yeah, I think that's a really good framework. And I also like the approach you brought where it's like for some things you could like talk about consent, you could talk about different models of like healthy dynamics and things like that. But for certain things where like you're in the role as an educator and you don't want the school district to yell at you, framing it as like, here's a further learning resource or like, here's a place where maybe I'm not an expert, but like, here's where you can find a reliable safe source of information. I think that's like a really meaningful part of that experience. Or there are definitely times where it's just like, yeah, there's an entire community dedicated to educating about this. Unfortunately, y'all are high school students. That's going to be something that you will be able to explore once you're over the age of 18, Mm -hmm. uh, just because that community does not want those under the age of 18 participating. And that's for safety and grooming reasons. For like the safety of the educators, as well as the safety of the students. There's just so much safety involved with that. And like, we can talk about it. I was pretty happy to talk about it freely and just being like pretty upfront about it. But we got in trouble with the school about like transness at one point. If we're having issues with talking about transness, like I can't really be like super upfront and like bringing it to students' attention. But if they are asking questions in the anonymous question box, heck yeah, great wonderful ask all the questions you want I will answer bluntly and like give you as much resources as possible but I can't really bring the information to you without the question is really how that started getting facilitated similarly with abortion it wasn't part of the curriculum we weren't supposed to be talking about it but if a student asked about it we could easily educate about that fascinating it's like a reverse don't ask don't tell yeah it was really we would have done the curriculum differently if we could have. It's just Mm -hmm. that we had limitations being working in a community health center, being brought into a public school system. And there was an expectation of what they wanted us to teach based off of what they needed, which is Mm -hmm. super fair. They needed those things, but students needed more than what that curriculum covered. Right. That is for a lot of sex sex education. The curriculum doesn't cover it all. So there needs to be openness and flexibility. Yeah. And that kind of like reminds me of my own sex education experience. I went through so much of sex ed bored out of my mind because I had learned all of that like years ago. And it was the kind of thing where like by the time they were talking about like sex and like consent and stuff like that, like I had already been exploring kink. And my best piece of advice for young people getting into kink is to go as slowly as you can make yourself go. Uh, Cause I was like under 18 and just like wanting to dive in with the partner I was seeing at the time who was also the same age as me. And just that urge to like go, go, go and like try everything and dive into the deep end really, really, really ended up hurting me and my partner, I'm pretty sure to the best of your ability, if you are a young person or even just an older person starting to explore kink, go slowly. Try things out in small doses and just like understand that while something might be really fun in theory, in practice, you might feel differently about it. So knowing those like ground rules for yourself before you just dive into the deep end and like get involved in something longer term or something that is overly complex is going to benefit you immensely um because yeah even though I was bored out of my mind during sex ed in high school I would have really benefited from hearing more about like how to have 
safer relationships or how to have balanced power exchange. And obviously they're not going to teach you that in sex ed. I did. I taught, taught about that, but not necessarily from a kink perspective, just from like a, let's talk about power dynamics within relationships and where power lies and how you can talk about that. Hell yeah. It wasn't specifically from like a kink perspective from like, but more like a domestic and sexual violence perspective. Yeah. I think that would be something that would be beneficial. And I imagine it's safe to say you are the exception, not the rule when it comes to sex educators. Those kids had no idea that they had a trans pansexual inkster in their midst teaching them things, but hopefully it helped. Yeah. I can definitely, definitely imagine that it did. That kind of information would have saved me a lot of trouble uh, because I took what was an unbalanced power dynamic in what was formerly a vanilla relationship and said, well, if I formalize this into a kink relationship, maybe that'll make the problems go away. And it, in fact, made the problems worse. So mm-hmm. that's, a, I think, a really helpful perspective to have. And I guess more to my point was I thought when I... and. I say this with all the kindness in my heart because I remember being 17 and thinking I knew everything. And I knew a lot. I think 17-year-olds know a lot of things. They do not know everything. I am 28 and I don't know everything. And I think being in that sex education class and being bored out of my mind, thinking that I knew everything already, really bit me in the ass because I thought I knew better and I very much got very badly hurt. Yeah, so I didn't really have sex education growing up because we flipped school so many times from moving that I missed it at our high school. And I missed it at the high school before that because it was supposed to happen junior year, which is way too late, but okay. And I just missed a lot of things from like that perspective. I was very much raised Roman Catholic, which also bit me in the ass. um, And I had limited internet access. So I tried a lot of things shits and giggles and one of the first people that I was seeing in high school I had was like rummaging around the house my mom had just gotten this new like trunk thing and it had a riding crop in it because it was like a horse trunk Mm -hmm. it came with a riding crop and I was like "Ooh, that looks fun and I took it and I played with it and I played with it solo wise and loved it and I brought it to my partner at that time being like hey can we play with this thing and completely freaked them out pertaining Mm. to our sexual relationship and because of that even though I was very like we don't have to do anything with it but I found it I've been having a lot of fun with it would like to incorporate it into like what we're doing completely freaked him out and felt like I had to hide that aspect of myself for a while oh that sucks that's okay I found my people in college technically I had my people in high school I just didn't (laughs) know it but in college, I was definitely much more able to like feel open once I started talking to other individuals who are definitely more sex positive. And I was out of the household that I was living in. I still had the writing crop because my mom didn't notice that it was missing. But I told her later and by later, I mean like two years ago, I told her and she's like, you were the one who took it. I'm just like, you can have it back if you want. And she doesn't want it back. I don't know why. I offered to buy her a new one that has never been used. <laughs> I'm very open about sex in my family. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. But basically in college, once I noticed that like there was a ton of people who were like experimenting and playing with kink, I kind of just did like an underground club in my dorm room where we would meet once a week. We called it kink club. And we would educate each other about different things. We would do research and bring it to the group. I mean, like, cool, let's try the thing. And like do little experiments as a group. And none of it was like sexual kink, but it was like, cool, 
let's all learn rope bondage and we're going to try different techniques, etc. And we've got all these books and resources and we're on websites and learning different ties and like, oh, the next week I bought a crock pot and we're going to do wax play with a ladle and we're going to try it at like this particular temperature because it has a really good temperature gauge on it. And we did that one week. Like we were able to really explore and learn from each other. And some people might've interpreted it as sexual and erotic, but really it was just a group of friends learning from one another so that we could like go back into whatever dynamics or exchanges or situationships or partnerships that we were in and being like, hey, I learned this at King Club. Would you like to try it? And sometimes it would happen, sometimes it wouldn't. And then the next week we would learn something else all over again. That's so amazing. That sounds like literally an ideal environment. That's so, so wonderful. Yeah. And then from there in my early 20s, moved to the Boston area and I got linked with a femdom group because I was very, then and now I'm still very femme presenting. I'm dominant leaning within my switchiness. And I was like, oh, this seems great. And it was actually very similar setup wise to the kink club that I was a part of where meet up once a month, there was like a social hour at the beginning. And then it was education afterwards. And people would go like each month had a different theme and there would be somebody picked out to teach that thing based off of their expertise. Oh, that's amazing. That seems like, again, a fantastic avenue for like both community building and learning. That's amazing. Yeah. And once I got linked up with like all these really cool femdoms, I started going to conferences and doing like learning from a lot of different educators and a lot of different kinksters from all over the United States and even the globe. And then I started teaching once I started like gaining expertise in different areas, but really like starting off with like from a community perspective, starting off with that femdom group and going to munches and just wanting to learn and get involved with the community, not necessarily like the like participating in the kink and the BDSM was super crucial for me now and feeling really confident about my skill set and being able to navigate a lot of different situations Um, where if I had just jumped into, which is what I initially wanted to do, was just jump into like, I found a writing crop in this in this thing my mom bought and I've been playing with and it's really fun and integrate it into my sexual life with a partner. I don't know where it would be. Yeah, I think that's like a really, really good takeaway to lean into community and also like education. And like, I very much found as much education as I could, but was completely isolated. I could not talk to anyone about it. And that's why the problems got as bad as it did. Aside from the kink being a problem, I was also like, you could, you could set your watch to the cycle of abuse happening in that relationship. It was, it was like clockwork. But uh, the isolation, I think, contributed to a lot of that as well. So I think, honestly, the the solution against isolation is community in not just kink and not just queerness, but honestly, everything. So I think mm-hmm. that lens of like finding community or creating community when you can is a really, really powerful tool. Yeah. And I know that everybody's coming into the kink scene at different times. We started off talking about like how to talk to high school students. Kink scene is 18 and up. That's just how it works. That's just Mm -hmm. how it functions. There's a lot of safety mechanisms related to that. But even those who are like 18, 20, 25 even, when you first start getting into the kink scene and you tend to be younger, there is a higher chance for grooming and there needs to be like a lot of caution for any of our like younger listeners Yes, engaging with community is amazing. Going to munches is wonderful. Being parts of different groups, 
fabulous. Would highly recommend it. But make sure that you are taking care of yourself and not leaning into what other people want you to be doing. You don't need to be pressured into doing anything. You are navigating the scene for yourself. Explore what you want to do and do it with the utmost safety. Yeah, I could not agree with that more, especially since like when I was, yeah, I guess I would be like in that 23, 24 range and I first moved out to Los Angeles. I went to these community spaces and very quickly found myself with a group of older femdoms and the uh, tea scene that they were running, which I really, really enjoyed and had a good time on the whole. But because, and I've noticed this also, um, especially in my area, there's a lot more scenes that are cropping up where it's just like, hey, this is a play party. You have to be 30 and older to come, which I'm like, oh, two years and then I get to go. And I think part of the reason for that is because there is an assumption that by the time you're 30, you know, obviously, like you said, everyone enters the kink scene at different times. But by the time you're 30, you usually have a good gauge on what you like and what you don't. And you also usually, not always, but usually have a good gauge on advocating for yourself. And one of the pitfalls I ran into when I met with this group of fantastic older women who were really nice, very welcoming. It was a fantastic group, but because I didn't know how to advocate for myself, I didn't know how to speak up and say, hey, I want this, or hey, this isn't working for me. I found myself in a situation where they thought everything was fine, but because I didn't know how to speak up, I wasn't able to say like, hey, I need this to stop. Um, And admittedly, like, there's a lot of different lenses you could look at that from. But from my perspective, I think it's helpful to not only be older in terms of like experience, but also have practice advocating for yourself before diving in to like larger scene play or more serious scene play. And honestly, the best advice, because um, I was thinking about this question, um, and if I, if I could give anyone like very tangible advice, it would be focus on community events and learning and like keeping things not super serious like kink is something that is very that requires seriousness for safety and requires seriousness for like you know making sure everything is done with health and wellness in mind however it doesn't need to be serious in terms of like staying in character or like your role or your mindset i think going into kink especially in the beginning stages with the ability to laugh to take a breath to pause to like readjust positions and to not be so so serious about it would have benefited me greatly and to also take time to literally test things out like iris was saying in their dorm room with a crock pot to see like hey in this non-sexual non-scene based setting how do you feel about wax play and actually getting to try that out i think that's like a really smart way to make sure it's just way better to figure out that you don't like wax play by having someone drizzle a little bit on your thigh in a situation where you're just testing it versus you're all tied up and someone's about to drizzle it on your back. Obviously, you should be able to say no at any time, but it's it's going to suck a lot less to say no in a trial setting. It's like, you know, dyeing your hair. You always want to do a test strand first. Yeah, I also want to throw out there, like, you should not be trying wax play while you're already dealing for the first time while already yes. doing other things. You should definitely be testing a kink on its own before you start adding Absolutely. things yeah. to and, it. Yeah, and wax play in particular, too, because, like, your skin may have allergic reactions to wax. Like we just talked about with lube, you always want to do a test strip for wax as well to see how your skin reacts to it. But mm-hmm. yes, I, listen, Iris, I agree with you on paper so, so much. In practice, I have made that mistake before and I'm using it as an example, not wax play in particular, but I'm using it as an example to be like, hey, don't do this. (laughs) As much as I love kink and BDSM, I 
sometimes feel like I am a walking example of what not to do. You know, I'm a learn- walking example of someone who's lucky, honestly. Well, and that's wonderful. And I'm very, very happy for you about that because it's it's a lot of really positive experiences that you get to share. Yeah. I do want to throw out there because you were talking about like the 30 and up events. And so some people who are interested in kink or kinksters themselves who are not within like that age level at this point in time might be listening being like, oh, the scene's not going to be like super cool for me. There's events for you too. There's literally mm-hmm. groups called the next generation or TNG yes. mm-hmm. um, that are meant for individuals that are like, sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 35 and younger. And it's specifically a space for like newer people who are playing around with kink and BDSM and fetish to make connections with each other and also like learn from one another as they're exploring. And so like those groups are there for younger people as well. There are groups for older people. There's like just so many freaking groups based off of like so many different things within the kink and BDSM community that like you will definitely find your space. Also important to note for uh, TNG, it is not a Star Trek specific kink event, though I am <laughs> so certain those do exist somewhere. Uh, but yeah, the, the first time I, I heard about the next generation as like a kink event, I'm like, they have kinky Star Trek. Oh my God, sign me up. And then I was like, oh, that's also cool. But- oh, that's also cool. Um, You mean, oh, that's also necessary. <laughs> Yeah, there's just so many different aspects of the community, but like starting with education, starting with like getting to know people, learning in small groups, whether that's like classes or conventions or like a a femdom group, there's just so many different things that you can do to learn before and, and to like do things slowly, as James was talking about, starting off slow, not biting off more than you can chew. There's always time to add to your kink repertoire. You don't have to do it all at once. It's tempting. It's lovely. But like, you will gain that experience over time. Yeah, I think that was absolutely brilliantly said. Well, thank you so, so much for listening. As we talk about some of our favorite things, I love, you know, reflecting. I love learning from past mistakes. And I love learning about wonderful adventures that Iris has had. Uh, So if you've got a kinky question for us and there's something you want to learn, send us your queries at kinkyqueries at gmail.com. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and FetLife at kinkyqueries. Or check out our website, kinkyqueries.com. We'll have our next episode ready for you real soon. Thanks so much for listening.